With Carhoon's true motive revealed, Octavia faces the prospect of leaving Lake Ansel behind. What lies in the world beyond Lake Ansel's walls? What does Octavia have to do with the Chapel of Scales? And are all the monsters blockading the town as woefully incompetent as the Grungs? Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. Welcome to me, my spouse, and a die. I'm Gwyneth, your resident Asimar, Octavia, Marguerite, Sinclair. And I'm Austin, your resident Dungeon Master. If you like what you hear in the next hour or so, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred podcast app. The best way for us to grow right now is by you sharing us with your friends, so tell your RPG group about us or those friends that you have that you haven't yet been able to convince to come to the table with you. So before we get into the adventure, all of our sounds and music are provided by Sirenscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you would like to add a little extra something to your game or podcast or whatever else, uh, check them out at Sirenscape.com, S-Y-R-I-N, Scape. Uh, so thanks, guys, for providing this cool ambiance. Mm-hmm. And now let's get to the adventure. The adventure! The adventure! <laughs> so when we last left off, Octavia and Carhoon Usirius had just returned with his uh, backpack after rescuing it from a group of grungs blockading the city uh, or the the lakeside town of Lake Ansel. So you guys returned to your herbalism shop, the Mushroom Cloud, and had a brief conversation where Carhoon revealed to you that. Uh, he had been directed here by a dream of some panther named Corastus, who told him to seek out the god-touched one and escort her to the Chapel of Scales in the city of Montignon. And that's sort of where uh, we we left off. So the two of you are standing in uh, the mushroom cloud in the dead of night. You've probably just got like a candle or something lit on mm-hmm. the counter. Um, illuminating your stark faces as he's just revealed this information to you. So. Okay. Yeah, the two of you are standing there. Is there anything you would like to say to him or ask him? Octavia is going to kind of ask him to describe Carastus a little bit more and to kind of describe how it was that Carastus presented himself to Carhoon. She is... I mean, uh, understandably, I think a little bit suspicious of someone, you know, claiming to have communicated with her deva um, and kind of is wanting to verify that it actually was Karastas as opposed to, you know, being some sort of trick. She's mainly kind of mainly worried that it's some sort of some sort of trick um, and wants to kind of verify that it actually was Karastas who got in t- touch with Carhoon. So Carhoon describes to you uh, the the dream in which he had, where a uh, a large black panther approached him and introduced himself as uh, someone named Corestus, and explained to him, uh, well, well, it was relatively vague in the terms, but uh, told him to seek out who he believes apparently now is you, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the God touched one, and to uh, escort her to. The Chapel of Scales, 
So that's that's really all the information he has. You may roll an insight check if okay. you want to see if he is being truthful or trying to deceive you. That is a 20, not natural. He, he seems to be in earnest. Okay. He seems to be telling the truth. Okay. That's, that is crazy. As far as Octavia knows, like, you know, uh, Crassus isn't, not that he's not supposed to talk to anyone else besides her, but, you know, she is literally, you know, kind of his his mouthpiece in the world. So for so for Crassus to show himself to someone else is, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she just really wanted to be, to make sure, you know, that, that this wasn't some, you know, trick or, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as this Deva goes and you're communing with him and his communication to mm-hmm. you, how, how does that happen? I know most of the time uh, dreams are, are very common, but does he ever appear to you uh, out and about in the world? Yeah, so, so Karastis, the way that this works, so with Octavia being an Asimar, there is a divine messenger of Al-Absalon, who is Al-Absalon's kind of messenger to Octavia, and that that individual is a deva, and they have the name of Karastus. And so they communicate with Octavia. They do communicate through dreams, but they actually do also communicate with her uh, mentally, but face-to-face, but it's never humanoid face-to-humanoid face. It's always, Karastus always takes the form of um, some giant cat um, in reverence to Al-Absalon, who is usually, um, when there is imagery depicted of Al-Absalon, they take the form of a giant mountain cat, a giant bobcat, or something along those lines. And so whenever Karastus shows themselves to Octavia physically, um, they always take the form of a panther or a bobcat or something along those lines. And then they do communicate face-to-face as opposed to just in dreams, but it's then all mental. Okay. Uh, good to know. And it's not, it's even even the face-to-face communication, though, it's not just like, hey, Al-Absalon wants you to do this. It's not like as straightforward as that. Uh-huh. It's, it's still, um, you know, it's still vague. It's still uh-huh. um, more imagery-based than direct like directive based and mm-hmm. so i with octavia being a druid she is able to take these visions that Carastus presents to her and has a bit more of like animalistic senses so she's able to kind of like you know have a bit better sense of smell and kind of sense of hearing so sometimes the visions that Carastus you know, communicates mentally to her, they might just be sense or they might just be sounds or they could be something that takes the perspective, you know, of a bird flying really high overhead. So it's, you know, a bit more, a bit more animalistic than just if, you know, a human to human type of descriptive conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Carhoon is is still standing there before you as as all of this is going through your brain. Yeah. And let's see. He says to you, he says, "So, Octavia, mm-hmm. I got to get in. I got to get back into this accent. Not this <laughs> accent. It's not this. Hold on. You'll oh, have to give me Carhoon. a minute." <clears throat> he says, "So, 
Octavia, it seems our destinies are leading us to Montignon. What say you? Octavia nods her head and asks him, When did you arrive in Lake Ansel? Did you arrive here just today? Do you have some place to sleep for the night? Uh, he says, I arrived here uh, this morning, and after some asking around of the locals, I was directed toward you. As far as I know, I will. I, I was planning on seeking a room at the Grand Myrmidon. <laughs> the Grand Myrmidon? is one of the fancy hotels in town. Now, oh. given the the period of war that has been going on for the past 15 years, it's obviously not home to, you know, nobles and diplomats and rich people that it once was. Um, instead, the Grand Marbadon and the other uh, hotels in the in the area are mostly they've they've been used to house uh, you know, various people who, who live outside of the walls of any major city who were forced uh, into one of the, the larger urban centers due to these, these monstrous armies roaming the land. It's home to uh, many of the dwarves who managed to escape Grundikov before it fell. So it's sort of... It's a place for... Like a youth hostel. Yeah, kind of like a hostel where, where those who have nowhere else to go currently are staying. So it's... They're, the whole town is a bit run down and disheveled at this point, uh, but these hotels are, are housing uh, people who have nowhere else to go. Okay, she, she will nod um, and say, it, see, it does seem as though that Carastus is indicating that we do go to Montignon, even though I do find it odd that he has not yet gotten contact with me directly. So I would advise you to return to the Grand Myrmidon, and uh, we shall meet there tomorrow. Uh, let's say around, let's say around noon, for I would have to prepare, you know, prepare for departure as well as take care of things here at the shop. Yes, that would be, that would be smart. I was going to suggest you meet me there when you have made your decision and your affairs are in order, but. I have little else to go in this town, so I will await your arrival. I slip it into Vils. It's not Vils. <laughs> I will await your arrival there. Uh, Octavia nods again. Um, and then he, he collects his pack and he just gives you a nod solemnly and then he turns and ding ling ling exits out the mm -hmm, door. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you do? <sighs> oh, man. I mean, Octavia's just gonna, like, stand there for a second. Okay. I can kind of easily, I can see her, um, you know, leaning against the counter and kind of, you know, settling down to then, like, sit on the floor with, you know, her back against the counter looking looking at the shop. Um, so, you know, she's, she's never had the type of direct communication with, Carastus that Carhoon has had all of the all of the visions and communications she has had with him have always been so vague and so I mean you know visiony dreamy they've never mm -hmm. been you know in action like do this or go somewhere right. and so this is the first time that she's actually almost gotten you know a direct order from from this deva um 
And she's been an Asimar her entire life, and she's been communicating with Karastas her entire life. And so, you know, she's in her late 20s, and for, you know, imagine living living one way for your entire life, and then all of a sudden, she probably just assumed that she'd never actually really get any kind of directive from Karastas, and just it would be this kind of visiony type communication for the rest of her life um and so Mm -hmm. for it for him for for carastis to communicate a directive to her to octavia in this manner through a third party that's just wild that's just crazy to her um Mm -hmm. and so she kind of has a lot to think about in that regard and then you know she's made this life in lake ansel she wasn't born in lake ansel but they uh, you know, her family moved there when she was a young teenager. And so for, you know, the majority of her life, she's lived there and she's helped her parents uh, build the shop that's, you know, relatively successful. It's it's no Macy's, uh, but it's <laughs> but it's no Sears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe Shots like it- <laughs> fired. <laughs> Sears, if you'd like to sponsor us. Yes, uh, we will. Would, so good. <laughs> we, would, we will retract that statement. Yeah. <laughs> we can take this back to the cutting board. Um, so, you know, that's just a, it's a, it's a complete. Uh, if she takes Carhoon up on this, not necessarily offer, but if she trusts him enough, basically she's leaving all that behind. Um, and then, you know, leaving her younger sister and leaving her brother, um, even though he doesn't really talk to the family anymore, he's still at least in the city. Um, so there's at least proximity. So, I mean, it's 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 complete upheaval, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what she's thinking about. Okay. You know, uh, you nothing just, very you just, heavy. <laughs> yeah, nothing at all. Uh, do you just stay in the store? Do you no. go upstairs? You have so at this point, I would say. Uh, I mean, Celia is as uh, a young woman as well, right. and since Antony has has left, he lives in the the barracks now, mm-hmm. sort of where the town guard would stay. Uh, so I'm sure at this point, both of you probably live at home, unless Celia. I don't know, got married in the past 15 years. No, I don't think she has quite yet. Uh, so so the two of you probably, I would say one of you probably took Anthony's room and uh, you live in the same house, but mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. have your a room to yourself yes, finally. I know, finally, goodness gracious. So no, she's not going to spend the entire night in the shop. Um, she would probably like half an hour, I would imagine, sitting there and then she gets uncomfortable enough that she's like, I am exhausted and emotional and, you know, probably makes herself some herbal tea, you know, with melatonin or whatever in it to kind of help her. A little something, something. Maybe a little something, something. Um, And then we'll probably trundle upstairs to her own room finally and we'll sleep on it. Okay. Uh, you trundle up to your room and you get in your bed and as, you know, you, you blow the candle out as you, as you, as you have sipped the last of your tea, you hear a faint, uh, sort of screech, screech, screech on, uh, the window. Mm. I look at the window. There is a shape in the window. It's that of a small black cat who is sort of pawing at the window. 
Octavia will go to the window and open the window. It takes a dainty step inside. It's a little pause. Hit the other side of the window sound, then it plops down onto the floor, uh, rubs around your your ankles a few times, and then hops onto the bed uh, next to you. And Octavia will sit next to the little black cat and say, uh, Crastus, is that you? It looks at you, and it doesn't say anything, uh, but you can just sort of feel a sense of, of calm as its eyes look deep into yours, and there's an intelligence behind them that uh, you would not expect from an ordinary house cat. Okay. Does it say anything to me, like telepathically? No. It just sort of looks at you. It begins purring softly, and, uh, yeah, you just feel sort of uh, a sense of calm over the anxiety that you've likely been feeling for the past mm-hmm. hour or so. Okay. And it's not doing anything or saying anything besides just being an adorable cat and purring. Yeah, it's it's basically just sitting next to you. It Maybe it puts a paw on your thigh as you're sitting next to it. Uh, <laughs> I love cats so much. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Octavia will give it a couple scratches under its chin and then close the window or she would have closed it probably before sitting back down Mm -hmm. and will just get into bed then and probably, you know, fall asleep a lot more easily with this sense of calm having settled over her. Uh, okay, you fall into a, a good sleep. You've had a long day, uh, a lot of activity, and a lot to think about, but somehow uh, your mind quiets and you fall into a, a deep slumber. And when you awake, the cat is no longer by your side. There's a little maybe indentation in the blankets where you can <laughs> imagine it may have been, uh, but it's nowhere to be sound, found. Mm-hmm. Your door is still closed, and uh, your window is closed as well. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you you get a long rest. I don't know if you expended any... I don't remember if you expended any resources last episode, but whatever you did, you get back. Well, I got hurt by the grungs a bit, so... Oh, that's right. I got Good old grungs. Poisoned. So, get y'all hit points back. Already! Woo! First long rest of the podcast! That's exciting. Is it? Yeah. Well, that's, I guess officially. I mean, I mean like, 15, 15 years. years I count okay. 15 years as long rest. Uh, I knew as soon as I said that, I'm going to be like, he's going to be like 15 years as a long rest. And I'm like, oh man. Now, kind of out of character, has Octavia ever been able to communicate with Carastus? Th- uh, communications that she's initiated or has it always just kind of been whenever he wants to talk to her? It's typically been on his terms. Okay. Because that was that was going to be the only thing that she was going to try to do this morning was um, see if she could contact him to try to like be like, yo, dude, what's the scoop? But if it's more of a one-way street, then she wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, as far as that goes, you it's not so much a, like you just call him and he shows up, yeah. but if if you've had questions or things in the past, maybe uh uh it's been 
you know, maybe there's maybe there's some res- cryptic response after after a while. Okay. So it's not like you can't ever initiate contact, but it's also you know it's not like clockwork. You're right, or like calling someone on the phone. Okay. Mm. So she's going to, um, as she's waking up, she's going to take a moment and. You know, I don't know exactly how this communication would work, um, but through that divine link that she has to Karastas, she would basically ask him for some sort of, basically a sign that this is actually him who was, you know, working through Carhoon. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, but having you know, experienced years of talking with Crastus, she's not going to, like, sit there waiting for an immediate response type of thing. There's not going to be any, like, oh, they're typing the little, like, dots going across. <laughs> it's like, Crastus is typing a message in response. Um, <laughs> Seen at 2.30 a.m. Exactly, exactly. Um, so she's going to, um, you know, she kind of... in you know, with that insight check without making it be, like, in the mechanics, like, felt out the soul of of Carhoon and was able to kind of probe his intentions. Um, Mm -hmm. And with it seeming that he was, you know, truthful and was speaking um, with veracity and with potentially having seen uh, Karastas through the evening and him not communicating anything to the contrary to her. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause if that really was crest is, you know, taking that form of the alley cat, then if, if Carhoon was being false, if Carhoon was being, you know, manipulated by an arch demon or an arch devil or something, then ostensibly Carastus would have been like, not in so many words, but would have been communicated something along those lines to her, um, even if it yes. was like archaically. So <laughs> she is she's not confident, but she's confident. Um, if that makes any sense, she's not confident because yeah. she's not really um, that much of a warrior. Uh, she has gone, you know, she's trained some, um, you know, she's she's a druid, so she has some in, in, innate, um, you know, abilities and stuff like that. But it's not like she's some trained soldier or trained assassin or anything like that. She's an herbalist. And so the idea of going to a city, you know, all the way up the mountain range, all the way up north... Um, and especially a city, uh, Montagnon, that's supposedly cursed. Like, all of that's really scary. Um, and she would have to leave her family. And mm-hmm. that this is this is really coming to a head, some of these conflicts that she's had between her divine um, kind of origins with being an Asimar. Um, and having these divine origins conflict with her very human family um, because she has a family and she has a mother and father and she has, 
you know, a, one of her sisters is still living and her brother is still living and she wants to protect them and she wants to be able to be there for them because, you know, at one point she wasn't able to be there for them and that's when her sister died. Um, and so she's always kind of struggled against the divine in her because she's resented it a little bit. Um, because she didn't ask for it. Um, and so having to kind of, with almost a blind obedience, take Carhoon's word for it that she needs to go up north and abandon her family. She knows what she needs to do, but she really hates it. <laughs> like, okay. yeah. Sorry, that I feel like that was a really long exposition, but <laughs> <laughs> that's really what she's feeling right now. Is it's that that conflict? Mm-hmm. Well, you are feeling this as you uh, sort of get up and and do your your morning routine, and you head down into the uh, mushroom cloud, mm-hmm. your shop, and you walk down the stairs into the storefront below, and you pass your your father and mother who are sort of in the back. Um, the the stockroom sort of area. Uh, right. They're they're both uh, getting up there in age, and uh, you know they don't have modern medicine, so they've they're not extraordinarily useful in in the shop itself. Uh, so they're sort of back there, mm-hmm. maybe with a mortar and pestle, you know, grinding roots or, or various things, making different uh, salves that they are still capable of. But you know, you and your sister Celia are sort of the 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 main proprietors of this shop yeah. at this point, and so uh, they your your father utters a a brief uh, good morning Octavia uh, as you head past and into the shop itself, and uh, Celia is out there. Uh, she she woke up before you and she's down behind the counter, maybe wiping it off, getting getting things in order, and she says that uh that elf who's in here yesterday. You and him were were talking for quite some time. What's What's that about? Uh, Octavia, you know, goes up to the counter, goes up to Celia, and she says, Celia, can I talk to you for a minute? Of course. And then, not really wanting to, like, interrupt what Celia's doing, um, Octavia will just kind of start talking, and she'll say, Celia, I know that the divine origins of my birth have not always been easy on this family and I am acutely aware of the pain that I have brought to us but regardless of the fact of our familial pain there are there's something that unfortunately I will have to do and I have been instructed to go north for a while and I'm going to have to leave the mushroom cloud for a little bit and leave you and leave Ma and Pa. And this is not necessarily something that I want to do, but something that I have been instructed to do by beings that are more divine than we and live much longer than we could even imagine. Uh, she kind of smirks at you and she says, You know, Octavia, I've been, I've been waiting for this day for 20 years since, since I was old enough to understand exactly what it was that, 
that you were. I've always known you were meant for more than than this shop for peddling herbs and teas and salves. I, I can't say I'm not curious about the exact nature of, of what it is that that you've been told to do, but I mean, given given what you are and and what we've always known you are, I can't say I'm surprised by this. And she uh, she reaches a hand out and sort of grabs your shoulder and she says, whatever it is that you have to do, I know you're going to do it and I'll be worried for you because it's a dangerous world out there, but I, I want you to know that I've, I've never blamed you for what happened. Octavia doesn't really say that much in response. Um, her eyes are really welling up at this point because mm-hmm. Celia's always, you know, been been the youngest, been the baby, been her little sister, and for her mm-hmm. to be showing such such strength and you know speaking with such maturity um, mm-hmm. is. You know, it's really telling to Octavia that you know Celia is a woman, and she's mm-hmm. she's a she's a full-grown adult, and no longer just you know the younger sister. She you know make make dolls for out of yarn and things like that. And um, Octavia's she's she's really overwhelmed, um, and just puts her hand on top of Celia's hand, and kind of murmurs her thanks. And we'll say, I'll probably have to head out this afternoon, and I'll be telling mother and father shortly. I just wanted you to hear it from me first. And then she says, thank you. And comes around to just gives a big old bear hug to her little sister. So, you know, Octavia's not very big. They're all kind of petite people, but bear hugs, you know, her younger sister as much as she can. Yeah, and, and Celia embraces you and she says, "I, as I said, I, I knew this day would come and I think I can hold the shop down if, if you're gone. You've always been better with the customers than I have. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> well... I don't know how how mother and father are going to take this, but come come back to a safe, Octavia. I will. I'll do everything I can to. Oh, and and don't forget to uh to see Anthony before you go. Um, yes. I know we haven't had much much contact with him, but I know he still cares for you. I was planning on popping by there on our way out of the city. And so she's going to kind of give um, Celia a squeeze on the shoulder and then head over uh-huh. and tell her parents basically the, the same thing that she just told Celia. Okay. You you explain it to them and your father takes a moment and then he says, It's Octavia. I'd, I know there's there's a lot that's been going on and... And I know you you maybe feel like there's there's something you can do, but it's it's too dangerous out there. I I need I need you here. I can't <laughs> Celia will help. 
but you you have a you have a knack for things. Who who's who's going to find my my desk shroom from now on? <laughs> Octavia will smile, and you know she and her father have always had a special relationship, um, mm-hmm. especially ever since the they started the shop. And she'll say. Celia, Celia knows more than you give her credit for. She's, she's been eyes and ears, even when she hasn't been as vocal about everything that she's known. So, as much of you, as you've leaned on me, Papa, you can definitely lean on her. Goodness knows I have, and I think some of the credit that you give me should indubitably actually be given to her, because she's more like you than you know, Dad. <laughs> Is this because of that elf who was in here yesterday? Yes. Be careful. I... I don't know... him. But I know... that they... don't... wouldn't... put your interests before their own. Uh, Octavia nods, yeah. He says, I think you're as acutely aware of the this this war and the horrors that are going on beyond these walls, and we've been fortunate enough to escape the brunt of it, but I don't I don't want you out there, Octavia. I've heard some of the things that have gone on. I know you have, we all have. Maybe Maybe you're thinking this is your chance to to get away for for some adventure, some excitement. But I want you to consider the cost. I know that I can't control what you do. You've been as stubborn as I've been ever since you were born. If you really want to walk out those doors and, and try your luck in the world, I know there's nothing I can say or do that can stop you, but I want you to really think about if this is what you need to do. Because if you walk outside of those walls, I don't know if anyone can guarantee that you'll ever come back. What are, what are you saying, Pa? Look, I'm... You'll always have a place here. But you saw what they did to the dwarves. You, you've, you've seen them. They're, they're staying right down the street. They've slaughtered them by the hundreds, and they would do the same to you in an instant. I don't doubt that you're right, but... As I've said, I can't stop you. I think... I think you should stay here. It's safe here. It's not safe anywhere, Pa. You've just said it yourself that they're a hundred feet. You know, they're yards from our very door. There's, there's nothing necessarily to say that tomorrow they don't overwhelm the city and, you know, murder Celia and all of us in our beds. But there is potentially something I can do. And I didn't ask to have, didn't ask to be born this way. I didn't want to be any different from... Antony or Eloise but I was and if I ever for a moment believe that 
it was purposeless, then everything is purposeless, and then those monsters might as well just overrun the city and burn the entire continent of Mawir to the, to the ground. Because if there's not something I can do with the divinity that I was born with, then there's nothing anyone can do. And we've had years where I've been able to be with y'all and they've not been happy 100% of the time. Goodness knows. You feel it more than I. But if I don't go, what am I supposed what what else do I do? Do I just reject the call? The literal divine call that has been handed down to me on the literal lips of angels and just tend a shop when there's maybe something I can do? Uh, if it were anyone else, you would be encouraging them. And I know... I don't... I don't want to go. But... I've had this many years without having to answer a divine call. So I suppose it's been a blessing up until now. Well, Octavia... I suppose it's not even... I suppose I can't question the the will of the gods, can I? And if there were anyone who was meant for more than this life, I guess it was... would be you. If you must go, then... you must go. But we will... we will be awaiting your return. And I will come back, Papa. I promise. Yeah, he 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 hugs you similarly yeah. tight. And as you've as you um, break from the embrace, your mother who has been quiet through all of this, she says Some days I want to curse Absalom for what he's done to this family. He's taken one daughter from me. Now it appears he's taken two. Octavia will just hug her mother. Because there's nothing else left to say. Yeah, she, she, she sort of stands there still as you, as you wrap your arms around her. And then after a few moments, she, she reciprocates and, and embraces you as well. Maybe a bit more briefly, mm -hmm. maybe not as warmly as your father had, but then, uh. She, she breaks after a second or two. So what would you... What what are you doing now? Oh, man. Oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> mention Fresser. Alrighty. Octavia is going to... Go upstairs. And pack! Okay, you pack. Yes. <laughs> I pack. Uh, we do not need to role play packing. You want me to role play packing? How many handkerchiefs do I bring? Uh, I, th I think I think we're good. 
<laughs> so she's going to pack and then um, basically already having said her goodbyes, um, she's going to pack her herbalism kit and kind of mm-hmm. freshen up on any of the herbs that would go into that into that pack. And she's going to say, you know, go goodbye again, but briefly this time mm-hmm. to to Celia and to mm-hmm. to her mother and her father. Um, mm-hmm. And then she's going to head out to the Grand Myrmidon. Okay. Everybody cries. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Everyone cries. Uh, Everyone but you cries, make your way. cries, including the players. <laughs> <laughs> With misty eyes, you make your way out of the mushroom cloud and you head down the street uh, towards the main strip where where once was a a lavish, luxurious stretch of of beachside houses and mansions and uh, glorious hotels and you approach the now sort of run-down Grand Marmadon. Uh, the paint is peeling off the walls. There's a fountain out front that is no longer spraying water, but instead is just like covered in, in grime and, and guck. And the once like gilded columns that, that framed the doorway are, are now worn with time and age, uh, covered in, in soot and smoke from from various fires that have broken out over the years and you make your way inside this once grand establishment um, and in the bottom floor there's a uh, there's sort of a bar mm-hmm. restauranty type thing um, what's it called it's it's called the Murs Mead <laughs> oh, that's so good <laughs> it's relatively devoid of too much life it's it's morning ish there's a few uh, there's a few humble-looking folks down there sipping from, you know, slightly dirty glasses. Mm-hmm. Some dwarfs, some humans. Uh, no one's making too much merry, but you, uh, you spot Carhoon sitting in a corner booth alone, sipping from a pewter sort of pint glass. Octavia will slide into the booth and say... You know you can get mercury poisoning from those things, pointing to the pewter cup. He says, <laughs> I do not know these words you speak. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but in all seriousness, <laughs> <laughs> um, she will slide into the booth and she will say... They did make mugs out of pewter back then, right? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. But it, okay, yeah, good. No, you're totally right. And all right, cool, we cool, cool, just cool. know nowadays that it can give <laughs> yes, you yes, poisoning. Yes. Um, mercury. No, I think it's actually, sorry, I think it's lead poisoning, not mercury. Well, probably lead. Yeah. I misspoke. I was mistaking the thing with oh, the no. hatter. Sorry. That joke. <laughs> Too many. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Moving on. <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll slide into the booth and say, um, I have said my goodbyes to my family, uh, all but one, and will be ready to head north, making one small stop at the barracks whenever you are also ready. Says I came with but the clothes on my back and the pack that you helped me recover. I am ready to go as soon as you are. I feel the uh, the nature of these dreams has urged me to move with expedience. Mm. So Octavia will nod and then just stand back up and say uh, come with me for we shall say goodbye to my brother before leaving the city. As you wish. And uh, he 
downs the rest of his mug and then uh, stands up and slides the pack onto his broad, muscly shoulders and uh, begins following you. And then Octavia will wind her way through the streets to um, where it is that Antony lives. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's a barracks, mm-hmm. sort of a just a, a bunkhouse for the, the town guard and town militia to rest in. You've been there a few times, um, but it's not really a regular stop for you. But as you go in, uh, you're greeted with sort of a... Parts of it are, are rowdy, parts of it are, are somber, mm-hmm. as they're, these are, you know, soldiers and guards who have seen a lot of stuff yeah. in probably the past few years, and many of them bear scars or or you know burns or are missing fingers or entire limbs uh, from from the course of of defense of this town uh, but you make your way over to uh, where you know Antony has his his bunk and and you find him there sort of just sitting resting maybe chewing on an apple or something <laughs> doing that thing where he's he's got the apple and he's just got a dagger and he's like carving it up uh, and yeah. off the point of his dagger you know how cool cool military Super people cool, do it yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, and uh he's he, yeah so he's sitting on his bed as you as you approach carhoon before you entered he he probably excused himself and, yeah. and waited at the at the door so you approach anthony your brother um you know, Octavia will go up to him and say, Antony, it has been has been a long time since we've seen each other. It has, it has been a while, sister. How's, how are you? How's the family? The family is doing very well. You know, the mushroom cloud, un- as unfortunate as it is, is doing well in this time of war um, with, with the healing properties that it possesses. I, on the other hand have come to tell you that it might be another many months before I see you again because it has finally come time for Al Absalon to call in his due and I am bidden to travel north. The features on his face darken and you can see the the past few years have not been kind to him. He's only a few years older than you but he looks like he's much older than that just from the years of, of stress and being basically on the front line of, of combat for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so he scowls and he says, You're leaving the walls? Trust me. Coming from someone who has seen what these monsters are capable of. <sighs> That's a suicide mission, Octavia. You do best to walk right back down to mother and father and ask for your room back. Octavia gives a wry smile and she says... You forget who it was who first saw the army descending from the hills, and who it was who first warned Lake Ansel that attack was imminent. While there is no measure to the horrors you have faced, there is a purpose that I have been called to that, as much as I want to, I cannot fight against. He says, and you forget who it was who defended against that attack. If you want to throw your life away, I can't stop you, but you are my sister. And I would be... Well, it would be a failure as a brother if I didn't tell you that you are walking into something that you are not prepared for. Don't go out there. Go go home. Tend to the shop. 
This war will be over one way or another. Eventually. Octavia gives a wry smile and she sits down next to him and says, I want to. I want to just go home. I I want to forget that I ever was born with something celestial running through my veins and I want to forget that it had caused us heartache long before this war ever started and I want to forget everything that's happened since and I want to return home to our family whole again and I want many things and what I want is very different from the world that we currently live in and I don't want to go north and I don't want to leave the protection of these city walls and I don't want to leave you and I don't want to leave Celia but he says well oh, oh she was just gonna say like oh but I have to go cause an angel from one of our gods has instructed me to do so and I have had these 28 years before having to leave all of you and it could have been a long time ago that I had been instructed to go. But I guess it was a blessing that he waited, at least until now. Anthony says, If you're gonna go, go. I can't stop you. But I should tell you. Maybe you should think about who it is that Absalon is actually looking out for if he actually has your best interests at heart. But we're gonna go out there. Take a few of them down for me. <laughs> I've lost more friends than than I should have. Octavia just gives him a hug. He hugs you back and then uh sort of continues gnawing at his slicing off chunks of his apple says well Absalom be with you I guess good luck into you regardless of what your beliefs may be I think I think he does at the core but might not seem like that right now and she will Leave. You leave. Carhoon is waiting outside the doors for you. He says, Are you prepared to go? Do we want to leave in the, in the daylight? You've been here. You know this blockade better than I. Is it best to leave under the cover of darkness? What, what part of the, this barricade should we, should we try to breach? Um, Octavia will kind of wipe the tears from her eyes. She wouldn't have let Antony, like, see her tearing up, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, she felt, you know, she might not see him again, and it might not be because she doesn't return, but it could be because he doesn't return next time he has to True. go out on patrol or whatever. I'll make it roll another D100. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh... But yeah, so so what is your what is your plan? All right, um, so tell me again about the 
barricade. And so you know that Lake Ansel is protected by sort of a palisade wall that goes around the entire city. Right. About a mile out from those walls, basically in a, in a mile sort of radius around the the outer walls of uh, Lake Ansel, there are. You know, a, a, a blockade, a, not quite a barricade of sorts, but a blockade of composed of this monster army. So there are interspersed camps of, you know, goblins and hobgoblins and orcs and a couple gnolls here and there and some grungs by the, by the river who are forming a circle around the city to ensure that no one can leave and no one can enter. Okay. Um, from what Carhoon has told you, the, the weakest part for him to get through was by the lake right. uh, where the grungs were okay. um, because you really only had one side to face but that is the south of the city right. so you would have to break down and then loop back up north uh, where north is the main road leading into Lake Ansel and it's as such the probably more heavily guarded but it's also the most direct route to where you want to okay. go. And heavily guarded by the monsters. Yes. Uh, so they're they are a mile, about a mile away. How deep are they? Like, how deep is this encampment? Uh, what do you mean by deep? Like, I know that, you know, we have the city walls, and then a mile away starts the encampment of the monsters. Mm-hmm. Like, how is how thick is that camp? Like, you know, is it a football field of, of encampment, or does the camp go on for miles and miles beyond from where they can Oh, starts? no, no, no. It's, it's probably maybe, yeah, like football field is probably okay. a good point of reference it's you know tents centered around fireplaces that are scattered uh in a general circle around the city okay it would probably be best to go under cover of night mm-hmm. um it's unfortunate that i said my goodbyes in the morning <laughs> but uh we'll probably we'll probably wait um until evening is there anywhere that I could buy. I mean, I know that the mushroom cloud cloud was an herbalism shop, but is there anywhere that I could get any like healing potions or anything? I'll say you, you probably. We'll say you got the equivalent of like a healing potion before you okay. left. I think that seems fair coming from a Herb. place that specializes in stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, then I think we'll just wait until evening, and then honestly. My plan is to turn into a horse and then gallop kind of half a mile outside the city walls and then fly over the encampment. Um, your fly only reaches 600 feet, so is, you might have to rethink that one. Uh, isn't a football field just 300 feet? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought you meant from a half mile out. I will, like, gallop you know, up to the point where I could think that I could then fly over the encampment and then touch ground and then keep galloping away. Does that make any sense? Yeah, generally speaking. All right, so... Do you think that's dumb? No, I think that's fine. Okay. But, but are you... So you're going north or south? We'll go south just to... I mean, it would take a little bit out of our way, but in the grand scheme of things, not that that much. And I think we'd both kind of rather having... Fewer monsters on our tail than <laughs> more. So you and Carhoon mm-hmm. exit the city. Well, we wait until it night. Is, you wait until dusk. Yes. Night. And you begin to exit the city. Ah. Darkness falls. At the, the south. You can, 
at the south. Uh, you can see the stars in the sky. It's a relatively clear night, and in the distance, you can begin to see uh, little flickers of campfire begin to pop up in a, a circle around your city as you and he begin to head towards it. So you turn into a horse. Mm-hmm. So you wild shape into a horse. Yes. And do you allow Carhoon to get on you? Yes. I'm like, I explain the plan to him prior to wild shaping, and I tell him, uh, this is what's going to happen, so don't be alarmed, just go with it. He says, okay. Um, <laughs> 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 and you begin to trot out toward the camp. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so how far, how close to them do you get? You, you begin to see the familiar tents of the grungs, and a little ways off from them, you begin to see the other the other campfires and tents of, of orcs and goblins and kobolds and gnolls, uh, all sort of chatting and some roughhousing and wrestling while others mm-hmm. are keeping watch on the, on the city walls. Well, I, uh, you know, metagaming, I know that I can fly 600 feet. Um, I think it's fair to say that you as a play character know how far your wings can take yeah. you. Yeah. So I would probably trot and if their encampment is about 300 feet deep, I'll probably I'm I mean I'm galloping at this point to to have as little time as possible that they can kind of see me and then um I'll probably gallop within 150 feet of the encampment. Uh-huh. Sprout my wings, fly, land 150 feet past the encampment, then keep on galloping away. Okay. Are you with Carhoon on your back begin galloping at full speed toward the camp? Uh, you are you are not making any effort to keep your yourself quiet. You're just hoping you can clear it with your flight. Mm-hmm. And as you begin approaching, you hear the sounds of activity from coming from the camp and shouts and like as some of these monsters become acutely aware of a horse with a big old elf charging directly at them. You see figures who are sort of huddled or sitting around a fire stand up and grab spears or swords or bows and begin to uh, sort of form up at the edge of this barricade and then you kick off and leap into the air as mm-hmm. celestial wings sprout from your back and you begin soaring into the air will you clear the encampment we'll find out on the next episode <laughs> Okie dokie. Oh my gosh. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. The best way for us to grow and reach more people like you is to share us with your friends. So please tell your RPG group about us or really any of your nerdy friends you think might be interested. If you want to get in touch with us, shoot us an email at me, my spouse, and a die at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from y'all, and we always try to respond to each message we get. Oh, and we want to thank Sirenscape for the amazing atmosphere and music. Make sure you check them out at sirenscape.com. That's S-Y-R-I-N-scape.com. Catch y'all next week. See y'all. Bye.